First up at UFC Vegas 37, we have Hannah Goldie versus Emily Whitmire. Emily Whitmire is four and four, riding a two-fight loss streak. Hannah Goldie is five and two, also riding a two-fight loss streak. Hannah Goldie has taken this fight on short notice. So uh, I don't know, maybe a week and a half she stepped up to take this fight. Emily's original opponent dropped, but Hannah Goldie is always in such ridiculous shape. I don't see that being a problem. The first thing that'll jump out at you here is that Emily Whitmire is four and four. 500 record, four and four, opening up a UFC fight night card. I, I honestly don't understand that. I know she's from the Ultimate Fighter, so they've invested a little bit of time and money into her. But I just feel like fighters do themselves a disservice. I know everybody gets very excited. Oh, I'm in the UFC. And that's great and exciting. But the reality of it is Emily Whitmire is probably going to leave the UFC with a losing record. And then it's going to be a very hard, long road to scratch and claw her way back in. Anyway, skill-wise, she's a pretty good kickboxer. She used her kicks really well, has nice movement. Uh, she can wrestle if she needs to, and she's got decent grappling. Unfortunately for her, her last two opponents were absolute grappling machines, and she was submitted in both of those losses. Hannah Goldie, also a decent striker. And listen, Hannah Goldie, I told you she's taking this on short notice. She's in phenomenal shape, so that will not be a problem for her. I don't even factor the cardio in. And she's coming off that loss to Diana Belbita, which... I'm good with because I nailed that pick, made some good money on there, had Belbita money line. Um, Hannah Goldie, short, jacked, and has crazy, crazy volume. She just comes running forward, throwing whatever the hell she wants to throw, a ton of punches, and then she'll just launch up beautiful high kicks. She's got no power whatsoever. She is not a threat. She does not have any power in her hands. There's a ton of volume, but there's no actual stoppages uh, in the mix for her, but she does have that volume and she is stupid, stupid strong. Honestly, I think this is another bad matchup for Emily, Emily Whitmire. She's four and four. I mean, Hannah's only five and two, you, you know, you, you swap a fight, you flip one around and, and all of a sudden she's really bad. But, uh, I think Hannah Goldie is going to come forward with that insane volume and pressure and use, look at the muscles and use that strength to clinch, hold her, slow her down, and just get a hold of Emily Whitmire, not let her get off, not let her do what she wants to do. Uh, so I have Hannah Goldie winning this fight. Hannah Goldie is my pick. Here's the problem. We don't have any DraftKings for this fight or Monkey Knife Fight. So we've got nothing for this fight for whatever reason. Uh, I, I don't know why DraftKings hasn't officially grabbed this. This is on the UFC website. So I imagine they'll drop those prices soon. I don't know what Emily will cost. I don't know what Hannah will cost. And the reality is this is probably a somewhat close fight. But I do think Hannah's just raw strength, her absolute athletic ability, and just insane volume forward pressure. I think she'll get it done. Hannah's my pick. I do have a money line bet on this. I have to check the odds because I did not pay minus 350. That moved tremendously. Let me check the odds on that. But uh, again, really, the pick here is Hannah because of the volume. Emily has good kickboxing. She can wrestle if she needs to, but she's not going to take Hannah Goldie down. Hannah Goldie is just too short and too jacked to get in there. Um, let's see my bets. Pending. I got Hannah Goldie at plus 105. That's how crazy 
this line has been. I got her at plus 105. I put a full unit on Hannah Goldie. I wouldn't touch it at these insane odds. But uh, anyway, that's my pick. I don't know what the monkey knife fight line will be. Chris is probably watching this. But uh, more and more, just do a low line, Chris. Don't don't take what I'm saying and screw us. More and more because I think it goes to decision. Hannah's got insane volume. I think Emily will be stifled a bit by Hannah's strength and the you know just sort of the clinch there. But they'll still get off. It'll still go three full rounds, and it'll still be a very busy fight. Next up at UFC Vegas 37, we have Gustavo Lopez versus Haley Alatang. Gustavo Lopez is 12 and 6 overall. He is two, sorry, three and two in his last five, coming off a loss. Haley Alatang is 14 and 8 overall, only one loss in his last five. Gustavo Lopez, a very good boxer. He has solid power. Uh, he has decent wrestling when he needs it, and he's very, very tough. And he will make any fight ugly because he is just absolutely so tough and refuses to get out of there no matter what's happening to him. Uh, he's an exciting fighter because he always puts it on the line, and he's always looking for a finish. If at any point he thinks he has you you know, dead to rights, or he senses a little bit of vulnerability, he will put himself in harm's way to close that out. He will absolutely come charging in, throw big, wild bombs if he thinks he has you on the ropes. Puts himself in harm's way, doesn't always work out for him, but he is incredibly exciting because of his willingness to go out there and make something happen. Uh, Alatang is also a striker. He's the more technical and the more diverse of the two. He mixes up his striking a little better. He does... Listen, he's not the most technical striker in the world, but he is much more technical than Gustavo Lopez, and he uses that. The problem is, because he's technical, he can struggle at times with a brawler style with somebody like Gustavo who's going to come in with wild punches from crazy angles with a ton of volume. That could give Alatang some trouble because he is used to taking his time, doing it right, controlling the distance, and using his technique and you get wild bombs thrown at your head. You don't have that technique. And what's the old saying, right? You brawl a boxer, you box a brawler. And that's what, what may happen here. Gustavo is going to brawl the more technical striker. Um, when he needs to, Alatang, when he needs to, he can wrestle. Uh, I don't see him coming with a grapple-heavy game plan or pushing a grappling game plan. But if he gets in trouble, he does have a backup plan. But this is a really hard pick because... If you watch the show and you know how I do the picks, I usually break down skill, skill. And at the end of the day, styles make fights. I like to match up strengths versus weaknesses and so on and so forth. What's, what's tricky here is I actually think Haley has more tools in his bag. And I always talk about, well, this person has more tools in their bag. Therefore, they will probably win. This is a really hard one because Alatang definitely has more tools in his bag. He is the more well-rounded striker. He has better grappling if they need it, or at least better wrestling uh, if they need it, so he can take it to the ground if he gets himself in some trouble. The problem is styles do make fights, and I think Gustavo being in his face, throwing big, heavy bombs, unorthodox angles, being close, not letting Alatang settle in, I think that'll be a problem for Alatang, and I actually think Gustavo Lopez is going to win this fight. So Gustavo's my pick. If we're talking DraftKings, 7800 bucks to eighty four. It's an interesting line here because basically they're almost even money, but DraftKings separated them quite a bit, right? DraftKings really thinks uh, Alatang is a solid favorite. 
the lines, the odds are moving. I made these graphics yesterday, so some of these odds have moved since I've put them on the screen. Um, Alatang was an underdog when I did it. I believe he's flopped to a favorite now, but these lines are, are pretty close. DraftKings took a stand. They're with Alatang at $8,400. Gustavo Lopez at $7,800. I don't know if I'm going to put Gustavo Lopez in my lineup, but I do like his brawler style to frustrate a normally composed looking to keep it technical. Alatang, the monkey knife fight line, I'm going to go more and more. I think this is a, I think this is a, is a war. Honestly, I think they go at it. I think Gustavo Lopez gets in Alatang's face. They both start swinging. They go at it. Gustavo's probably going to get the better of some of those dirty exchanges, but lose some of the cleaner ones. Meaning if he's close, throwing heavy, he'll probably touch up Alatang in inside the pocket in those wild hook shots. Alatang will definitely have some solid volume using his footwork, keeping Gustavo at bay as long as he can. So I like the more and more here. Uh, I do think it'll go three rounds. I do think they will go at it. Um, so, so I like that. Uh, I think more and more is the play. DraftKings, listen, there's a lot of people that are all over Alatang and think this is just a dream matchup for him. If that's how you feel, $8,400 is not a bad price. I'm on Lopez. I don't know if I'm going to put him in my lineup, but I do like him at, at under $8,000. The dude does have some uh, potential finishing upside. He's an absolute killer, meaning he's always looking for a finish, and he's just so freaking tough, even if he is on the wrong side of this. He will put up some numbers. He will stay in there, and he will keep this fight going. More and more in the Monkey Knife fight. If you like the bets, if you like the lines, we want picks.com slash bets. Monkey Knife fight, we want picks.com slash MKF. It is the easiest thing in the world. You just pick the strike lines more or less than the numbers you see on the screen, and you can triple your money. Grab yourself the promo today. Next up, at UFC Vegas 37, we have Impa Kasanganai versus Carlston Harris. Impa Kasanganai, 9-1 overall. Coming off of a win... And right before that was on the wrong side of the knockout of the absolute century. The absolute century. You have seen that highlight a million times. But he did bounce back from that really well with a win. And congrats to him because he is forever, I mean literally forever, going to be a highlight reel. Carlson Harris, 16-4 and four overall, riding a four-fight win streak. Impa Kasanganai, as I mentioned, Famously on the wrong side of that amazing Joaquin Buckley knockout. Um, and we're going to break down Joaquin later. He's also on this card. Thankfully for, for Impa, he's much more than that highlight. He's much more than that highlight. And he proved it in his last fight when he came out. He's honestly pretty good everywhere. He has really good, uh, really good technical striking. He can wrestle. And he's got solid power. His issue is he waits. He waits. He's got that power. He's got the technical striking, but he takes his time. He is not always throwing when he should throw. He's a little bit gun shy at times, and I know he's picking his shots. And the problem is, as he's looking for the right shots, he can fall behind on the scorecard. So while he's waiting for the perfect shot, while he's trying to set up the perfect strike, he can tend to fall behind, be behind on strikes, be behind on volume. The judges see that. And all of a sudden, now he's playing a catch-up game. Uh, Carlson is a good wrestler. Carlson Harris is a very good wrestler. Uh, he has wild striking. I, I did not say good striking. I said wild. Uh, he throws with reckless abandon. Uh, and it's 
it's really there just to set up his takedowns. That is his game plan. Takedowns. Nothing else. That's all he wants to do is get those takedowns. As far as his wrestling is concerned, he's absolutely relentless. He will not stop. He will come charging in, looking for takedowns, and he's not going to stop until he gets one. Um, when he gets to the ground, he is uh, he's he's more than capable, and he uses his length to lock things in. He's super long, awkwardly long, and he uses that reach. He uses that length to work on you know, those type of submissions, anacondas, things like that, where length really matters. Listen, this is a hard fight to pick. It, it really is because Impa's striking is light years ahead of Carlson Harris. Impa has good takedown defense. Those two things, I mean, you, if you can stop the takedown, 100% Impa wins. There's no questions about that at all. He's not going to lose a striking match to Carlson Harris. The problem is, Carlson Harris is just literally relentless. He will not stop until he gets takedowns. He will throw wild haymakers that potentially could land and then just shoot 1 million takedowns until he finally gets one. And once he gets one, Impa's not going to have too much to offer on the ground, honestly. He's got decent wrestling, but once he hits the mat, he's not exactly going to scramble his way to a uh, to an arm bar or triangle off his back. Uh, so it's a, it's a tough fight to pick. He's by far, you know, Carson Harrison's by far the better wrestler, but he has no power. Impa also doesn't really have power. Really, really good technical striking. But I think he has to put Carson Harris out, has to put his lights out to stop those relentless takedowns. And he's not going to put his lights out. He hasn't put anybody's lights out. He's got the power, but for some reason, it's, it's not really, he looks like he has power. And when he's landing some of those shots, you're like, ooh, but they're not, nobody's getting put out. And again, he has to put Carlson Harrison out to get him off of his back. <sighs> you know, honestly, the pick is going to have to be Carlson Harris. He's very one-dimensional. But again, Impa has to stop the takedowns and win a striking match. And the reality is, if he's not a threat for the knockout, I don't know how he's going to stop all of those takedowns that entire time. <sighs> The pick's going to stay, Carlson. I mean, uh, sorry, Impa's at Sanford MMA. And, and Impa's, we, we've seen what they can do with, with people's wrestling. We've seen them turn mediocre fighters into killers. We just saw, not that he was a mediocre fighter, but we, we just watched um, Derek Brunson beat Darren Till using his wrestling. So he may improve on the Impa's wrestling and may be able to defend these takedowns, get a few of his own. But honestly, I'm a wrestler. I'm going to side with the relentless, nonstop wrestling of Carlson Harris. And if we take a look at DraftKings, Carlson Harris, 7300 bucks. That's not bad, man. Takedowns are five points. Five points. So listen, get a couple takedowns in there. All of a sudden, you rack up some solid points. Uh, off his back, Impa is not going to have much to offer, and he's not exactly a knockout artist. He's not exactly a knockout artist. So I don't see Impa scoring that 100-plus points that you would want out of a fighter that's almost $9,000. Uh, and Carlson Harris has a ton of upside with the nonstop wrestling. The betting odds are much, much closer and much more uh, in line than the DraftKings prices. Monkey Knife Fight? Ooh, my gut's going to say more and more because I think this is going to be a full three-round fight. Impa's not putting anybody away. Carlson Harris might, but I do think this may go... The full three rounds. The only number here that concerns me is Impas. 63 strikes is like right there where it's not a lot, but it's also more than nothing. Not that that made a ton of sense, but 
if Carlson Harris is just going to nonstop wrestle and hold down Impa, or at least hold him against the cage, and then shoot takedowns, and he's going to stifle some of that volume, getting a 63 might be a little tricky. My gut is saying more and more because I think there'll be some solid back and forth. Impa is absolutely, this is a close fight. So Impa is absolutely going to have his moments, get some fight, get some shots off. Uh, I, I imagine this will be a distance fight. I like Carlson Harris to win this fight. I, I, I keep going back to it because Impa striking is so good and he does have takedown defense and he's at Sanford, but Carlson just, he's just laser focused. I'm going to get those takedowns no matter what. And, and I just have to believe he's going to be, um, he's going to get them. So Carlson Harris is the pick. I'm going to have to say more and more on monkey knife fight. And DraftKings, honestly, even if you think Impa wins, I wouldn't touch the 8,900 bucks. How do you see him getting to 100, 100 points, which is what you want? How do you see him getting there? He's, it's not going to get there by knockout. It hasn't happened before. I don't think Carlson's going to be the one that that is uh, is put away by knockout. Carlson Harris is my pick. The relentless wrestling is going to get it done. Impa is a great fighter, great technical striker. He's a little too hesitant at times, and that hesitation May cost him some takedowns and cost him the fight. WeWantPicks.com. Grab a promo for any of the crap that I'm pushing. Help us out. Let's move on to the next fight. Next up at UFC Vegas 37, we have Aaron Blanchfield versus Sarah Alpar. Aaron Blanchfield, 6-1 and one in her very young career. Three fights in a row. She has won. She's only lost one fight, which is her only loss in her last five. Sarah Alpar, 9-5 overall, and she has sandwiched losses between three wins, and she is coming off of a TKO to um, Jessica Rose Clark. Aaron Blanchfield um, is a nasty grappler, a very nasty grappler. And I've seen some people compare her to uh, Mackenzie Dern. That, honestly, that's absurd. Mackenzie Dern is next level. They compare them because they're both young and they both are, you know, sort of phenoms at that age. Aaron Blanchfield is like 21 or 22, something stupid. Um, and I've seen those comparisons, but if you heard somebody make that comparison, she's not Mackenzie Dern. She is a nasty grappler, but she's not like, if you get on the ground, you're basically screwed type grappler. Um, she's very, very good. Um, she has solid striking, but that is obviously not her, ugh, not her path to victory. Using her wrestling to get on top and to work her grappling from there, that is absolutely 100% her path to victory. Uh, Sarah Alpar is a primary wrestler, a pretty good wrestler, actually, a primary wrestler with decent striking. She knows exactly what her skill set is. And if you watch any tape on her, you know that because she just immediately starts wrestling. Zero hesitation whatsoever. No no pretending she's going to strike. Just immediately starts shooting and wrestling, um, which, honestly, I appreciate. She knows what she is, and she tries to play to her strengths. Um She's the bigger fighter here, uh, but unfortunately, she has no control. So she has those great takedowns. She she is bigger in this fight, but she gets a little sloppy and loose and gives up positions, loses scrambles. So I don't know how her offensive wrestling is as good as it is, and then she just sort of can't keep the control, loses those scrambles. That honestly surprises me every time I see that. Um, so she works a little bit fast and loose with the takedowns, and then when she gets on the ground, um, if she was sort of an elbows in, ground and pound type fighter, she'd be my pick, and I wouldn't think twice about grabbing her at, at plus almost 300 odds. But unfortunately, she doesn't. She gives up positions, 
against good grapplers, and Aaron Blanchfield is a good grappler, and Sarah Alpar is going to end up in trouble. I have Aaron Blanchfield winning this fight. Not exactly the uh, the pick of the century because I'm pretty sure everybody sees it that way. If Sarah was a little more controlled and if in her camp they're basically saying get the takedown and just settle in. Hips down, elbows in, settle in, and you'll get this done, then it would be a much different pick because that is her path to victory. The takedowns are there, but elbows in, settling in, that's how she can get this done. I don't see that happening, though. She's a bit sloppy. After she gets the takedown, she gives up some positions. She gives up uh, some grappling exchanges. And uh, unfortunately for her, Aaron Blanchfield's not the person you want to be giving up positions or at least not maintaining your power position. Aaron Blanchfield's the pick. $9,400? Listen, I'm not going to spend it, I don't think. But, you know, she's probably live for a submission, honestly. So you you could get your 100 points out of her. So she may be worth it. Obviously, the risk, just like with any fight, though, uh, the risk here is that she's just sort of stifled, held on her back, not allowed to move. But um, $9,400, it's a little more. If she was 89, 9,000, I would spend that in a second. I wouldn't even think about it. Um, I'm not touching Sarah Alpar, not at 6,800 bucks. Maybe she'll get a couple takedowns, but I think she loses pretty handily. She might get a takedown, but she'll give up some scrambles and probably get submitted from there. The line, the monkey knife fight line. 81 strikes from Aaron Blanchfield. I don't see it. 100% I have, I'm less on Aaron Blanchfield. Sarah Alpar, that number basically comes down to how long do you think this goes? Do you think Aaron Blanchfield submits Sarah Alpar in the first round? Then less. Done. Do you think there's some sloppy striking? Second round, early third, that's when um, Sarah's going to get caught in something and submitted? Then maybe the more, I think less, less is probably the safe play here. Less, less a monkey knife fight. I do think there's a submission at some point. Um, if Sarah is looking for the takedown immediately, she's going to get caught up in some scrambles, uh, get moved around. Um, so yeah, I'm going to hit the less, less on this. The 81 super high. The 42, if she does do elbows in, hips down, ground and pound, she can get there, but... I think less, less is the play. Um, and Chris Riley, who sets our lines, is in the live chat right now. And if you're watching this on replay, you might be missing this line. And he's saying, hit that line now because he's definitely going to move it. So while you're watching in a separate tab, hit that line. I like less, less. The first one is definitely less. I like less, less total. We want picks.com slash MKF. Grab a pomo. They will match your deposit. And you can triple your money with certain wins. 10, 25 times your money with other wins, two and a half times your money with going less, less here. If you want a submission prop bet, I think, so Aaron Blanchfield minus 310 to win. If you grab a wins by submission, which I think is how she wins, you can go ahead and get Aaron Blanchfield at wins by submission at plus money. Uh, that's a pretty, that's probably a pretty safe bet. And I imagine I'm going to hop on that at some point. Uh, we'll take a look. But wehonpicks.com slash bets. We have added a new betting partner, BetUS, 125% deposit match. Wehonpicks.com slash bets. Grab the deposit match and uh, hit up some of these lines. Next up at UFC Vegas 37, we have Montel Jackson versus JP Bays. Montel Jackson, 10-2 and two overall, 4-1 and one in his last five. JP Bays, it's Bays, not Buys. And I'm the one who's bad with names, but I'm positive it's Bays. JP Bays, 9-3 overall, 
four and one in his last five, coming off of that brutal, brutal loss to Bruno Silva. And I'm perfectly fine with that because Dan and I rode Bruno Silva to the bank in that fight. We had Bruno Silva winning by knockout. And honestly, part of the breakdown, part of the analysis there was that, if you remember, and I'm sure you've heard this a million times already, J.P. Bays and his wife fought, Cheyenne, fought on the exact same card. It was their UFC debut. They fought on the same card. And I know they've done that in the past, but UFC debut, same card, that's a lot of pressure. That's a lot of pressure. He's trying to warm up worrying about her fight later. She just watched him get the crap kicked out of him. Then she's got to fight bad, bad energy. That is not something you want to have to worry about. Somebody you care about and love that much getting into a fist fight before or after you. Um, so I made a bunch of money picking against JP in his last fight because Bruno Silva, we saw that knockout coming. He's back. He is without his wife on the card, which is honestly, again, a fantastic thing. But what's not a good thing is this matchup. Montel Jackson is a good wrestler. Montel Jackson is a good striker. Montel Jackson has a lot of power. He's literally good everywhere. He can strike, he can wrestle, he can grapple, and he's got legitimate power. And that's why he is a tremendous favorite. He's not a little bit of a favorite. He's a tremendous favorite. And I'm not just going to pick JP Bays because, oh, well, I'm just trying to be different. That's absurd. So, the problem for JP here is that Montel Jackson is all of those things. JP Bays does have a path to victory, and it's wrestling. We didn't get to see his wrestling in his last fight, but he is a good wrestler. And if you go back to some of his other fights, you can see his wrestling. He is a good wrestler, and he uses wrestling well. And we've seen Montel lose to a solid wrestling game plan. So, listen, Montel Jackson's the pick. He's the pick. He's got to be the pick. He's too well-rounded to not be the pick, but he's not minus 700 pick. I would never touch that money line ever. He's definitely not minus 700 pick. The problem with JP is he just gets finished all the time. He finishes or gets finished. Feast or famine, as I say. Uh, these odds are absolutely crazy. I do have money on this fight, and my money is the over on rounds. The round line is set at one and a half, and Listen, I think we get past one and a half rounds. I think JP will try to wrestle. And Montel Jackson, you know, this, these are wide odds. We've seen him lose wrestling matches before, basically. I'm over one and a half rounds. JP Bay is a pretty tough dude. I don't see Montel Jackson absolutely blasting him out the same way Bruno Silva did. Um, so, you know, over one and a half, I was comfortable putting my money there. I was not comfortable on money line. You know me, I'm not... I'm not great on the, uh, or sorry, I don't love the very specific finish prop bets like Montel Jackson by knockout. You can get really, you know, much better odds with that, but I'm not a big fan on that. But um, so Montel Jackson's the pick, but who cares, right? The money is the over on rounds. So when I'm watching, I'll be rooting just for survival on both sides. $9,500 for DraftKings for Montel. Honestly, on paper, probably a safe a safe draft because JP Bays gets finished gets finished Montel Jackson it's got the power it's got the moves can make it happen so you know actually might be worth the 9500 bucks JP Bays 6700 listen if if you've built your lineup and you only have 6700 left uh, he's not a bad play cuz if he comes out with a wrestling game plan 
he could absolutely win that fight. And if we look at Cheyenne, his wife, and obviously they're not the same person. They don't even have the same fighting style. Cheyenne got you know beat up in her first fight as well. But she was out grappled for the most part. But in her last fight, her second fight in the UFC, she fought without her husband on the card. She looked fantastic. JP Bays may come out here, look fantastic. It's just a tough matchup. Um, Montel Jackson's a pick. The bet is over one and a half rounds. Wewantpicks.com slash bets. Grab yourself a promo. Hit that line. I like over one and a half rounds, and I believe I got plus money on that. So I'm just rooting for a little bit of a survival. Basically, what they did was they took the odds, and then they said, oh, this must be a murdering. So the line is at one and a half rounds instead of two and a half. I do think this goes a little bit. You know, can't judge JP by that one ridiculous knockout from the absolute powerhouse killer, Bruno Silva. So that's my breakdown of this fight. Nothing earth-shattering. I'm not doing some wild underdog pick here, but I do think JP Bays has a path to victory. I don't know if he'll get there or not, but absolutely the over on the one-and-a-half round is how where I'm going to lay out my money. Monkey knife fight? Ooh, it's a tough one. That's a tough line. Yeah, this is uh that's a tough line. Man. Man, more and more. Maybe we'll get, you know, we'll get a nice good back and forth fight. So I, I do think it's over one and a half rounds. Are you gonna score forty or land forty punches in one and a half rounds? Probably not. But um I, man. It uh boy, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not going to touch that line. I'll see when it moves. And uh, tomorrow we'll film with Chris and he'll tell us how we got to this line. But uh, I'm not going to touch that line. That's a, that's a hard line. I like the overrun rounds, but that's that's such a middle-of-the-road line. So we on picks.com. Grab a promo. Play some of the stuff. This should be an interesting fight. Next up at UFC Vegas 37, we have Dakota Bush versus Rong Zhu. Dakota Bush, 8-3 and three overall. 3-2 and two in his last five. Coming off of... Uh, that loss to Austin Hubbard, which is not a terrible loss, honestly. Zhu Rong or Rong Zhu, um, 17-4 overall, and he is coming off of a loss himself to Rodrigo Vargas just three months ago. Uh, Dakota Bush, uh, as I mentioned, he's coming off of that loss to Austin Hubbard, but he actually looked decent in that loss, honestly. Uh, he took that fight on short notice. He looked pretty good. He's got He's a solid striker. He has well-timed shots when he uses them. Um he throws with nice power, and he moves really well. Both of these guys are coming off losses. Both looked okay in their losses, and this is a tough pick because Zhu Rong is a very good striker himself. Uh, he picks his shots well. He also has solid power. Uh, when Zhu is marching forward and dictating the pace, that's when he's a killer. So when he's coming forward, when he's dictating what gets thrown, when it gets thrown, where he's throwing it, that's when he's a killer. If he's on his back foot and he's backing up, that's when he can struggle. When he's reacting to what's happening instead of forcing the action and making something happen, that's when Zhu Rong can get into some trouble. Uh, he ends up just a step behind on everything. Uh, Dakota's just absolute willingness to come forward, his willingness to mix in the wrestling, his willingness to just make it a dirty fight. I like Dakota in this fight. Dakota's my pick. Um, you know, I, I think Zhu is the better fighter, honestly. But Dakota has more ways to win. I think strike for strike, technique for technique, wrong or Zhu. Um, and I, you know, I never know which time, uh, which which time I'm supposed to say which one first. But anyway, uh, Zhu is is the better striker. 
the cleaner striker, but Styles make fights. He he needs to sort of dictate the pace to be at his most effective. And Dakota Bush, we've seen it. He'll come forward. He'll push the pace. He'll dictate it. That will get Zhu backing up, have him reacting instead of inflicting. Uh, and I think to Dakota Bush can get it done. So I think just sheer will, essentially, uh, will get that done. Um, and and Zhu is stupid, stupid young. So he does have a ton of experience, but if you start digging into that record, it's a little hollow. We've seen that with some of the uh, the Chinese prospects before, and he was on that card where every single person lost. All the Chinese prospects lost. Um, anyway, Dakota Bush is my pick. $8,600? Uh, honestly, I don't mind that. I don't mind that at all. I think $8,600 is, is probably a solid price point. I think it'll be a sort of high-octane fight. I think Dakota will probably mix in some takedowns. So we'll get five points with each of those. We'll get some control time. There should be some good striking. Um, I don't know if there's necessarily going to be a finish, but uh, I don't mind Dakota Bush at 8600 bucks, and I love them more and more. I do think they'll go at it. I love that Zhu's line is lower because he's the one who likes to pick his shots. So I like the more and more uh, for the Monkey Knife Fight strike line. I don't mind Dakota Bush at at eighty six hundred dollars. That's probably the most I'd pay for him, but but I don't mind that. So, and I've said I don't mind quite a bit in this breakdown. Anyway, I do like the more and more for Monkey Knife Fight. Hit it now before it moves because I have a feeling that line will move. Uh, hit that now. Wealthpicks.com/slash/mkf. Grab a promo if you give them a hundred bucks, they'll give you a hundred dollars. Then you have two hundred to play with. Spread it out. I like to do ten dollars per fight. Spread it out. You win some, you lose some, you're still going to end up big money. Wealthpicks.com slash MKF. Next up at UFC Vegas 37, we have Tony Gravely versus Nate Maness. Nate Maness is 13-1, and 4-1 and one in his last five, riding a three-fight win streak. Tony Gravely, 21-6, and six, also 4-1 and one in his last five, but riding a two-fight win streak. This is one of the most interesting fights on the card and one of the hardest ones to break down. Straight up. Period. End of story. This is probably the hardest pick I had to do on the card. And, oh man, I'll tell you why. So Nate Maness is one of the bigger guys in the division. He's a big dude. Uh, he's very well-rounded. He has solid submissions, solid power, good kickboxing, really tough, and he's willing to slug it out. Nate Maness is good. And Nate Maness is a solid underdog here, but a very, very dangerous guy. A very dangerous guy. Tony Gravely comes forward with volume. He comes forward with power. And then he just wrestles hard. And he is sort of an old school ground and pounder. He wants to just drag you to the ground and elbow you and punch you in the mouth until you're frog in my throat, until you're out of there. Just relentless on top, good pressure, good volume on top. That makes him super dangerous in any of those situations. Um, Tony's big issue is he gasses out, but not sure how much of a factor that's going to be because Nate Maness is so big. His weight cut is stupid. He's had weight issues and he also doesn't have the best cardio. So we have two guys somewhat well-rounded. Nate Maness is legitimately well-rounded. Nate Maness is massive. Nate Maness has good submissions, has good striking, has good power. Tony Gravely a little more one-dimensional, also has decent striking, good power, but very good wrestling and very good volume on top, good pressure on top, just wants to elbow you in the mouth until you're gone and no cardio. What a tricky 
What a tricky, tricky matchup. And this is a hard fight to pick. It genuinely is. But I do have a little bit of money on it, which honestly, as soon as I clicked submit on the bet, I was like, should I have done that? So what I did was, I think Tony Gravely wins this fight. But he does have those cardio issues. I think Tony Gravely, without the cardio issues, definitely wins the fight. Because he'll just wrestle, 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 pound, 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 win the fight. Nate Maness is very skilled. He's very tough. He's a well-rounded guy. He'll definitely win a round. So you know what I did? I did my plus three and a half bet. Nate Maness only has to win a single round. I got plus odds on that bet, I believe, uh, or at least even money. So basically, instead of doing Nate Maness money line at plus 175, I did Nate Maness plus three and a half and at basically even money. And all that means is if Nate Maness wins one single round, I win the bet. All he has to do is win a round. And honestly, he will. Tony Gravely will probably, if his wrestling is as effective as I think it'll be, will probably win two rounds to one. 29-28 decision. He'll win the first two, get freaking exhausted, lose the third round to Nate Maness. Nate Maness loses the fight. I win my bet. That's probably what's going to happen. I'm not, you know, this isn't the claim of the century, but I do think that's what's going to happen. So uh, I threw a little bit on that. So Nate Maness plus three and a half is my bet. That's the only money I have on this fight. Uh, you're only going to get those type bets, those really cool prop bets like that, where you just buy some points on our judge scorecard at weonpicks.com slash bets. We have three different betting partners. Bet online is the partner that has that. Get yourself your 100% deposit match before they get rid of it. It's there for NFL, but who cares? Money's money and free money is even better. Uh, so again, hard pick. I have Tony Gravely as my pick. Nate Maness is the more well-rounded, better fighter, but Tony's just effective wrestling, nonstop elbows in the mouth. I think he's going to snatch two rounds. I bet that Nate will snatch one. $9,200 for Tony? Probably not. Probably not. $9,200, he really does need to get him out of there. He needs to take him down, beat the crap out of him, and get him out of there for that to be worth it. I don't know, man. Nate is tough. If, if I wasn't worried that Nate is probably going to have a little bit of trouble with the weight, as he usually does, he might actually be my pick. But I think he will also be tired. So I do think it's uh, I think it's a grinding-type fight. Nate steals around. I don't know if Tony Gravely is going to put Nate away uh, and, and be worth that $9,200. He might. But I, I just don't see that. I'm not spending a 9200 uh, 7000 for Nate, that's a good price, especially I know there's a lot of people that think Nate is just going to absolutely smoke Tony because he is very well-rounded. If that's the case, $7,000 is a bargain. Monkey Knife Fight line, that's a good line because Tony's going to spend a good amount on top. Elbow punch, elbow punch, elbow punch, right? He's busy on top. 51, Nate's pretty well-rounded on his feet. Has some good volume. How much time is he going to spend on the ground? When will he win his round? It's probably a more and more. This is probably a more and more. I do think this goes the distance or close to the distance. If you think Nate puts Tony away or Tony puts Nate's away, hit the less less because this line is like right there. It's like it's a it's one of the better lines. So I think more and more is probably the play there because I think it'll go the distance. But you heard my pick. You heard my bet. Let me know in the comments what you think as well.
Next up at UFC Vegas 37, we have Raquel Pennington versus Penny Kynzad. Raquel Pennington, 11 and 8 overall, 2 and 3 in her last five. Do not let that fool you. If you look at the three, it is current and former world champions. So do not let that fool you. Don't hear two and three in her last five. and She loses because Penny Kanzad is on the other side of the spectrum, 15 and five overall and riding a four fight win streak. Tapology will tell you that they're on different trajectories and this is the you know young up and comer and Raquel Pennington is on her way out. And there's obviously some truth to that. Raquel Pennington is at this point an older vet, been around forever. But do not let the losses fool you. Dig into them for a half a second, and you will see that Raquel Pennington is absolutely a killer uh, and has only lost to some of the best on the planet. She's a lot like her girlfriend. So if you don't know that, Raquel Pennington and uh, Tisha Torres are together. And she's a lot like her. And I've said this, this stupid phrase before, but always the bridesmaid, never the bride, right? She's never been champion, but she's always right there. She's always at the top of the pile, loses to the champ or loses to the number one contender who then becomes the champ, right? So Raquel Pennington, always the bridesmaid, never the bride. If you look at the record, she's lost to some of the best women on the entire planet. Her last losses, as I mentioned, were all current or former world champions. Um, she marches forward. Her style kind of sucks. She marches forward um, with, you know, she'll just like nice straight punches coming forward, hold you against the cage and control you from there. It's a boring grappling style because it's not even takedown grappling. She's not even looking to take you to the ground and work on you from there. She literally, it's like Randy Couture back in the day, minus the takedowns, right? Come in, throw your shots to get in, hold against the cage, keep you against the cage. And she's busy. She's definitely busy against the cage, but what she's doing, and it's very effective, but it's boring to watch. She just stifles anything that you could possibly have going on, removes any tools that you may have, keeps you there, rides you out, lots of pressure, and just removes whatever tools you may have and uh, rides out with control time and, and squeaks with a, with a nice decision there. Penny Kanzayad is a pure boxer, a straight-up pure boxer. She actually boxed, then moved into MMA. Uh, and because she's a pure boxer, she has a great jab and never throws one punch at a time. Everything is combinations. Everything is well-timed. And everything is set up with a jab. And if you pay close attention, you know, it's very obvious. So you don't have to pay that close attention. It's very obvious that she is the better pure striker for sure. Her footwork is good. And she can outstrike the vast majority of this division. Her issue is definitely the grappling. She gets taken down and doesn't have much to offer from there. That's definitely the issue. We have seen, you may say Angelo, but we've seen Raquel Pennington lose to boxers. Holly Holm beat her. Listen, you're right. Holly Holm's a boxer, but Holly Holm is, has been far from a boxer for a very long time. So we've seen Raquel Pennington lose to Holly Holm, who's the best boxer she's, she's fought, a better, more accomplished boxer than Panny for sure. But she's just going to march forward, hold Panny against the cage, remove any of the combinations, remove the distance, and keep her there, work from there. Raquel Pennington is the pick. These odds are going to move. Minus 132. Honestly, I don't have a money line bet on that, but that's not a bad bet. That is really not a bad bet. So if you want to grab that, I, I, I see that moving. If you want to grab it, go for it. I like the less on Penny for sure because Raquel Pennington is just going to hold her against the cage. 
and just remove all of those strikes, get rid of all of that boxing. So Rocco Pennington is definitely not going to let Panny Kanzad get 115 strikes off. Is Raquel going to get 88? That's the question. Because when she holds against the case, she is pretty busy. I do think this goes the distance. I don't know what to do with Raquel Pennington, but the less on Panny for sure. If you do a rapid fire on Monkey Knife Fight, or if you do, um, you know, uh, pick three to win to five times your money and Panny's in it, grab less. Grab less right there. I don't know what to do with Raquel Pennington. 88 and a half. It's a tough line. She she is busy. Like she's boring as hell when you're watching, but keep in mind this is every single strike. So more or less might be the play, honestly, or less less. Uh I'll wait a little bit before I do something with that. 88's the trick there, but 115. I actually hope that line stays there. I'm going to jump in the monkey knife fight. I am going to look at the three for threes in the rapid fires and see if I can get Panny paired up against somebody else and pick the less on her. Cause I do, I'm very confident in that $8,700 for Raquel Pennington. Probably not bad because she'll win. There's your 30 points right there. She might get a takedown. Probably not, but she'll have decent amount of strikes and don't forget control time scores in DraftKings. So she'll have some solid control time there. So I like Raquel Pennington. Uh, Raquel Pennington is going to get this done. I actually love those odds at minus 132. Those will probably move. I may grab a money line on that because almost even money because people are just looking at her last five and not just looking at the entirety of her career or her losses. Uh, I think that's kind of a mistake and an oversight, honestly. Wheelpicks.com, grab yourself a promo. Monkey Knife Fight, let me know in the comments. I would love to know your thoughts on what to do with Raquel Pennington because... 88 tricky, 115 super high. And if you're watching this live, hit these lines before Chris moves them. He's watching me right now, taking his little notes, and he's going to screw all of us out of these lines. So hit the line now before it moves. Next up at UFC Vegas 37, we have Tafan Chukwi versus Mike Rodriguez. Tafan Chukwi, 5-1 overall. Very, very young in his MMA career. He is coming off of a loss um, to uh, Jung Young Park. And if you remember, that was a very frustrating loss. The guy just won't throw sometimes. It's very frustrating. Mike Rodriguez, 11-6. One win in his last five, three losses, and a draw. Tafan Chukwi is moving up to light heavyweight for this fight. He was at middleweight. He's moving up to light heavyweight to this fight. He's a very good technical striker. He has legitimate power and technique. His issue is volume and speed. But when he's in a rhythm, he is in a rhythm and looks great. And that's what I was talking about in his last loss. It was frustrating. You were just watching that fight, wondering why he's not letting go. He just won't let go sometimes, and I don't understand it. Somebody as as technical as he is with the power he has, not letting his hands go, that was incredibly frustrating. Uh, Mike Rodriguez, he's also a striker. He's more diverse because he uses his kicks as well. He has no issues fighting at range or inside the pocket. Uh, he's very long, and he uses range well. Cardio is his biggest issue, unfortunately. 
I hate when cardio is a factor because you just don't know what a fighter's going to look like later in the fight. I hate when cardio is a factor, but cardio is his biggest issue, and he does struggle with grappling at times. But grappling, I don't see that as being a factor in this fight at all, which is obviously good for Mike. Uh, Tafan is the more powerful striker for sure. Um, but the problem is there's not much volume there. So if you could have all the power in the world, but if you're throwing one strike to Mike's three, you got to land that one every single time. Mike Rodriguez is the more diverse striker. He has more experience. Tafan again has the power, but doesn't throw often. Rodriguez can be a bit chinny at time, which is concerning in a matchup against somebody like uh, Chukwi that has that kind of power. Um, a lot of factors here. And if we just had a Venn diagram with pros, cons, and in between, it would be basically even and be impossible to make a choice. But I'm going to go with Mike here. I'm going to go with Mike Rodriguez only because Tafan Chukwi's hesitation can get him behind on the scorecards. Tafan Chukwi's you know, unwillingness to just let his hands go. But Mike Rodriguez, perfectly capable of fighting at distance, perfectly capable of fighting in, inside, you know, at uh, inside the pocket. The fact that he mixes in all of his strikes, I, I like Mike Rodriguez. He will have to avoid the big power for all three rounds. But let, let's be real, man. Tefan Chukwi, very good. Very good technical striker. Lots of power. He's got six fights. Six fights and he lost his last fight because he was gun shy and now he's moving up in weight so i like mike rodriguez here i like him at plus money for sure i love him at plus money actually so mike rodriguez is my pick he will probably be in my DraftKings lineup at 7400 bucks that's a that anytime you're getting under eight thousand, you're confident in a win or close to confident um i like him at 7400 bucks for sure um i don't have a bet on mike rodriguez but but even money I would prefer a little more plus money because at the end of the day, his chin is not the greatest, and Tefan has that power. Uh, monkey knife fight? I'm going to go... Well, first of all, the round line here, I believe... Is this a one-and-a-half round line? I forget what the round line is here. I think it's a, a lower round line. Uh, and if it's one-and-a-half, I'm going to go the more. I do think this goes... Or the over. I do think this goes a little bit. Because if he gets ended early, it's only because Tefan landed that big punch. But Mike Rodriguez's ability to stay out of the pocket, I think he can avoid that big punch. So uh, the strike line, that's a hard one. I do think this goes a little bit. I don't know if it'll go the full distance, but I do think this goes a little bit. If Tefan lands 65 strikes with his power, there might be a knockout. So less more. I hate splitting it, but Chris has been doing a better job spreading these out. So less more is probably the play because if Tafan lands 65, that's it. Lights out. 65 with his power. Mike Rodriguez, not the best chin. That's it. 44. Mike Rodriguez should be out striking, out voluming Tafan. So I like less more here. Um, yeah, I like less more. I'll probably play that monkey knife fight. We on picks.com slash MKF. Grab it before it moves. Let me know what you think about this fight. This was another one that was a little tricky for me to break down because, again, the power versus the chin, that's not great. And, you know, we, we've broken down fights before where, you know, we've said so-and-so has to fight a perfect fight for three rounds. And, and Mike kind of does, but 
Stefan's hesitation, it will be his his biggest issue, right? He might turn into a uh, a Tyron Woodley where he just doesn't let his hands go. It's there, and he doesn't let him go. And you know the power is there. He doesn't use it, and he's going to get touched up. Less more on Monkey Knife Fight. And uh, probably going Mike Rodriguez and my DraftKings. So that's my pick. I don't know what I'm going to do with the bet. Because even money's good. He is a little chinny. So, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. Next up at UFC Vegas 37, we have Joaquin Buckley versus Antonio Arroyo. Joaquin Buckley, 12 and 4 overall, 3 and 2 in his last five. And you know him from the highlight of the century over Impa, who we broke down earlier. Antonio Arroyo, 9 and 4 overall, two losses in a row. Joaquin Buckley is short. Thick, big power, and comes in hot. He will go down as having the coolest knockout in the history of the UFC. I mean, that jump, spin, back kick. I mean, that thing was incredible, and it will be on highlights forever. You heard me say that before for the person that he did it to. Um, he has good movement in the sense that he, you know, he does move forward. Um, he doesn't really cut too many angles, but he does have good movement. And he comes forward. Uh, he'll move his head a little bit, not as much as he should. Um, but he does come straight at you with speed and power. The height difference here may actually be helpful. So Joaquin Buckley, shorter, thicker. Antonio Arroyo is a little bit taller here. And honestly, usually I like the shorter guy if they're a grappler. But with Joaquin Buckley's like big, heavy power, coming in against a taller guy and he can just rip the body. I actually like that. So I, I like that, uh, that size difference here and he's always the shorter guy, but, uh, Antonio's a little taller. So I do like that size difference here. I think it helps Joaquin a little bit. Antonio Royo is massive for the weight class. He is massive for the weight class and he has a, he's a good Taekwondo guy. He's got that Taekwondo background, which really helps with his movement. So where Joaquin moves forward, Antonio Arroyo sort of bounces in and out, moves like this, always bouncing around. Uh, he throws a ton of kicks because of that Taekwondo background. Um, and what's interesting about the kicks is they're not leg kicks. So Muay Thai, for example, if that was his background, he'd be smashing the leg. But because it's Taekwondo, it's really a lot of body and some heads. He does a really good job with the body kicks. Um, uh, that Taekwondo style means he likes to fight at range. He bounces on his toes. He likes to be at range. He wants to enter, strike, leave. And that's sort of what that martial art is and what he likes to do. Um, the problem is Buckley charging straight forward with his big looping shots. I don't know if Antonio is going to be able to enter, leave. I don't know, right? Well, you got this jacked up rock in front of you just coming straight at you. I don't know if you're going to be able to leave. If he had a, like... He's got good movement, and he bounces in and out. But if he bounced left to right, he could literally matador Joaquin Buckley. But I just don't see that happening. Um, Antonio Royal does have some grappling, but he doesn't necessarily use his wrestling. If you watch his breakdowns, you watch his fights, uh, he's, got, he's got some decent submission skills, but he doesn't really dictate how it gets there, right? He's not using offensive wrestling. This should be a really fun fight. I see Joaquin Buckley working his way in, staying busy, lighting up Antonio's body, coming to the head, and just beating Antonio Arroyo up. I think Antonio's sort of bouncy, 
Taekwondo. I don't know if he's going to be able to do what he wants to do. I don't think he's going to be able to keep Joaquim at the end of everything, his whole fight. So I have Buckley winning this fight. I have, um, I don't have, I have a question mark next to inside the distance. So I may grab Joaquin Buckley by finish. Um, he's definitely the pick. $9,300, probably not a bad price to pay, honestly, because I do think there could be a finish here. 200 favorite, solid. I like the more, more on the monkey knife fight line. I, you know, listen, 49 strikes is not that many. We're talking, what, 15 around? What's that math? 15, 15, 45. So we're talking 15 around, a little more than 10 around for Antonio. That's not a lot of strikes. So I know Antonio bounces around in and out, not the craziest volume, but Joaquin's going to come right at him. Joaquin's going to get in there, throw a bunch of stuff, and it's going to force Antonio to let his hands go. So I like more and more on Monkey Knife Fight. I like $9,300 on Joaquin Buckley. I have a question mark next to my bet, uh, which is inside the distance, and the question mark on my spreadsheet means I didn't place it just yet. So that's one that I'm looking at. We'll see what happens there. Let me know your thoughts on the Monkey Knife Fight line. More and more, I like, but... If you guys think Joaquin Buckley is just going to knock this dude's head off quick and early, then less, less is definitely the play. We on picks.com slash MKF. Next up at UFC Vegas 37, we have Armin Sucurian versus Christos Gallegos. I mean, I definitely, Sucurian, I, I'm trying, guys. I'm trying. Christos Gallegos, 19 and 8 overall, 4 and 1 in his last five. I have the records switched here. Uh, Armin 16 and two. Oh yeah. I got it right. Never mind. Armin 16 and two overall. And he is four and one in his last five. He is the biggest favorite on this card. I imagine not a lot of people are waiting for the pick here because it is cut and dry. Christos Gallegos. He's proven he's never out of a fight. He's proven that. In his last fight against uh, Soriano, he was beat up pretty bad and definitely looked like he was going to be stopped, but he survived. He put it together in the second, pulled off a Darce, and made that happen. He's tough as nails, never really out of a fight, can put himself, put the pieces back in, and really just force something to happen there. He is a good grappler. He has tricks up his sleeve, as I just mentioned. Um, he was obviously dropped a few times in his last fight. So you can look at that and say he doesn't have a great chin. He was dropped a few times in one fight. Or you can look at that and say, holy crap, is that dude tough? He was dropped a few times in that fight. So you know your interpretation of that can go either direction. I take the toughness from it because getting dropped, putting yourself back together, th that's a really, really big deal. Uh, his, his striking actually is not bad. So he was dropped, but he doesn't have bad striking. He has really impressive speed. And he's so unorthodox with his winging punches that he could actually catch you clean. So he comes out there, he wings punches, they're super fast, and he can catch you. So his striking's not bad, not great. It's not bad. He's got nice speed there, and he throws just big loops that could connect. Armin is a massive favorite for a reason. He's an incredible wrestler, um, and he's managed to piece together a very nice striking game as well. Good striker, insane, insane wrestler. Um, uh, he uses nice footwork and set up for both his strikes and his takedown. So he'll fake low, go high. He'll touch you up with a combination, then shoot a takedown. So he really sets things up, uh, sets him up really well. He's, he's athletic. He'll mix in kicks very fluidly. 
If you watch some of his fights, he's just throwing really nice combinations and bang, spinning back kick out of nowhere, really fluid, super smooth, and a wrestler of his caliber. You don't expect that kind of athleticism um, on his feet. Um, if you check out some of his fights, you'll see him throw that straight right left high kick combo, which another just incredible athleticism and just understanding of striking, even though he is a wrestler with the wrestling background. Dan always talks about, and he's not here, he's traveling, but Dan always talks about these young guys and the improvements that they make between fights, right? So you see him fight, six months later they fight again, and they're almost different fighters. They've added that much to their game because they're improving at such a ridiculous pace. Armin is one of those guys. Every fight it comes out, it is clear he has added new tools to his bag. We've seen him beat really good jujitsu guys before. Christos Gallegos is a really good jujitsu guy. This is just going to be more of the same. I do not see Armin um, losing to Christos. Christos would have to throw up something crazy. He is tough. He will take his beating, which is why, you know, the monkey knife fight line probably more and more. Chris will take his beating, or Christos. He'll throw wild strikes on his feet, wild strikes on his feet. We'll probably connect with a bunch, put some decent volume. Um, it's another tough line. Probably more and more. 90s a lot. That's This is a really tough line, but probably more and more. And, you know, I don't know if there's a finish here. I mean, he's a massive favorite, minus 800 favorite. He's a very good wrestler. He's going to take you down. He's going to beat you up. He's actually probably going to beat him up in his feet too. Um, is he going to get a stoppage in under two and a half rounds? I don't know. He might. He might. And if you can get the under on rounds, get yourself some plus money. Maybe that's the only way to make some money on this fight because minus 800 is, is freaking absurd. Armin is obviously the pick. I'd be more confident in more and more on monkey knife fight than I would be placing a bet on this. $9,600 in DraftKings. That's probably a good price. There's going to be a bunch of takedowns, a bunch of control time, and a bunch of strikes. $9,600, that's worth the money. I don't see Chris Jost winning. If he does, it's a Hail Mary submission off his back. I don't know how many of those he's going to pull off in his career, but um, Armin's the pick. More and more is probably the play. DraftKings-wise, Armin's probably good value. He's expensive. $9,600 is a lot. I don't know how many times we've seen people get over the 94, 95 mark. 96 is a lot, but he's probably worth it. This should be a uh, pretty one-sided beating. Next up at UFC Vegas 37, we have Ariana Lipsky versus Mandy Bohm. Ariana Lipsky 13 and 7 overall, but only 2 and 3 in her last 5, riding a two-fight losing streak. Mandy Bohm, 7-0 in her career, undefeated. This is an interesting matchup, and a few of you were asking us about this last week. So Mandy's making her UFC debut here. It's honestly a pretty evenly matched fight. She's only got seven fights in her entire career. Ariana Lipsky has 20 fights in her career. That is a big difference as far as experience is concerned. Uh, Mandy's pretty good everywhere. I wouldn't say she's great anywhere, uh, but she's pretty good everywhere. Uh, her striking is solid. Her grappling is solid. Uh, she's only got seven fights, but she is undefeated. And I've always said, right, you, you never know. That could be the first, you know, seven of 40, you know. You have no idea with undefeated fighters. I actually prefer when there's a loss so I can see what that looked like, how they came back from the loss, how they lost, what they looked like in a loss. We don't have that luxury here. 
Um, but I do like picking against people in Mandy's situation. I do like the lesser experienced UFC debuts. I love picking against them. You know, she's got regional level experience. She doesn't have a specific skill set to lean on. So it's not like we know she's a phenomenal striker and, and she's got that in her back pocket. She's a phenomenal grappler. She's got that. She's just good everywhere and she's tough at the regional level. And we're going to find out when she fights Ariana Lipsky if that translates into the big show. Ariana Lipsky, good stand-up, good grappling. Um, I think she's a little bit better everywhere. I think she's a little bit better of a striker, a little bit better of a grappler. Uh, she is coming off with two losses. And if you watch those, you would assume she's not good on the ground right? That's just how she lost those two fights. And that's what you would assume is, oh, that's her big hole. But she honestly does have some decent grappling. Uh, the issue is she needs to dictate it. Meaning if she's on top, she has solid grappling. If she gets taken down and she's on her back, she does not have solid grappling. So I just don't see Mandy taking Ariana down and controlling her there. And then Ariana be on her back trying to make something happen. So I don't think uh, the grappling will necessarily be a factor here or the lack of grappling off her back. I don't think that'll be a factor here. Um, I think this fight is is much more straightforward than the odds makers think, meaning they have it almost as a pick em. Arnell Lipsky, a slight favorite. I think she should be a, a, a much bigger favorite than that. I grabbed the money line at the minus 121. Uh, I think Ariana Lipsky has the cleaner boxing. I think she used her kicks well, and I see her avoiding any takedowns to win a decision. I think Ariana Lipsky absolutely touches up Mandy Bohm, sort of shows that that veteran prowess at this point. Um, I love the more and more here. Uh, I think it'll be sort of uh, primarily striking. I like the more and more. Uh, and I think Ariana Lipsky is just going to show the difference between 20 fights and seven fights. Now, if Mandy Bohm comes out there and beats the brakes off Ariana Lipsky, well, we know 7-0 was on her, on her road to doing big things. But I like the experience. I, I, I like the fact that um, Ariane is just a little bit better everywhere. Or Ariane, I don't know. A little bit better everywhere. Um, and, and again, Mandy doesn't have a single tool in her bag to lean on, meaning she can't just go to her wrestling to win this. She can't just lean on her striking. I can't say if she keeps it on her feet, she'll win. I, where, where does she win? Right. They're pretty evenly matched. And then I think Ariana's got a little bit of an edge and then the experience. So Ariana's the pick. I love the more, more in monkey knife fight. DraftKings is a pick em. So honestly, Ariana's probably not a bad, uh, I'm probably, it's probably Ariane. Uh, is not a bad play as well. 8200 bucks, And I told you I've got a one-unit money line bet on uh, Lipsky. So uh, pretty high on her in this fight. She's just a slight favorite, and I think it's a much more clear uh, fight and win uh, for that. Next up at UFC Vegas 37, we have Nicholas Mata versus late replacement Cameron Van Camp. That was supposed to be Jim Miller. Jim Miller's got the Rona. He's out. Cameron Van Camp is in. Uh, Nicholas Mata, 12-3 and three overall, one loss in his last five, and he's a good-sized favorite here. Um, Cameron Van Camp, 15-5-1 overall, riding a four-fight win streak. We do not have a DraftKings price for him yet because, as I mentioned, he replaced um, uh, Jim Miller. So 
What we do know is DraftKings does not adjust prices. Jim Miller was the favorite as far as DraftKings was concerned. So Nicholas Mata is going to retain his $7,900 price point. And if you think he is the three to one favorite that he, you know, the odds makers think he is, then $7,900 is a freaking bargain in DraftKings. Um, with that being said, Nicholas Mata, he is a good striker. He is explosive. He's very athletic. Uh, he moves well with his speed. He has a nice, diverse skill set. Um, you know, with his striking, he uses everything. Uh, he has solid takedown defense, which was very important with his original opponent, right? He's fighting Jim Miller. Takedown defense mattered quite a bit. Um, but he doesn't have much to offer if that defense fails him and he ends up on the ground. There, there's not much there for him. Cameron Van Camp, this is a short nose replacement, as I mentioned. Uh, it's not super short. I think it's like 10 days, 12 days. So it's not crazy short, but it's short enough. Uh, and I believe uh, he has stepped up a few times or at least been ready to step up a few times and not been needed. So he should be in shape. He's basically a wild brawler uh, who's proven himself to be a capable grappler. He, uh, his wild striking is a much different look for Nicholas than what Jim Miller was going to be. Jim Miller was not the most technical striker in the world, but he, he at least would be orthodox where Cameron's comes out wild, just wild striking. Um, and that could be an issue. He does have sneaky good uh, submissions, but we would assume Nicholas is prepared for that because he was preparing for Jim Miller. Um, I think it will uh, keep him exposed. I think that the wild striking will expose Cameron, meaning like not expose him to like, you know, he's a three to one underdog, not expose him to the world. Like, Oh, he's not that good. Expose him. Like literally expose him when he's coming wild. There's a lot to hit and he can get touched up with Nicholas Mata's explosiveness and his, you know, his diversity in striking, right? All of a sudden the body's exposed, bang leg heads exposed big overhand right. So I think the wild striking from Cameron will keep him at risk. Nicholas Mata's explosive, has some solid power, mixes in the strikes well. I think Nicholas Mata will find his openings and touch him. If you remember when we broke down the tough finale, I forget which fight it was, but Jacob was like, this is just neither guy is very good and this is going to be a very sloppy fight. That's kind of what we have here. Nicholas Mata is... Decent, right? He's 12 and three. He's pretty good. Both these guys are okay. Um, but I think this is going to be a pretty sloppy striking fight. I think they're just going to sling, go at it, um, swing wild. Uh, I think Nicholas Mata will end up on top. He's had the full camp. I think he's the more technical striker. Uh, not I think. I know he's the more technical striker. And I think he'll exploit some of the big, wild, looping um, shots that Cameron throws. Cameron's has those sneaky, sneaky submissions, but I don't know if it'll matter here. So I'm siding with Mata because he had the full camp, but I'm not touching anything here. The odds makers, I mean, they're super confident. I think this line has moved to over minus 300. I think he's like minus 305, minus 310, something like that. So they know something that maybe I don't. I think this is closer to a pick em, but I am taking Mata because of uh, you know the wildness of Van Camp. I'm not touching anything. There is no monkey knife fight line yet. I imagine whatever it is, more and more is probably a solid play because I think they're just going to go wild. Neither one's probably going to initiate takedowns. Um, if Cameron does, Nicholas Mata's takedown defense is good enough that it won't be a problem. Nicholas Mata at $7,900, probably not a bad play, especially if you agree with the odds makers. I mean, they they have him at almost, a, actually over a 3-1 to one favorite. I'm looking at the, the live odds 
uh, my tablet here. So Mata's my pick. I'm not touching bets. I might play the more and more monkey knife fight when we see whatever the hell that line is. Um, and DraftKings, I don't know. Uh, we might see two fighters at seven thousand something dollars. I don't think Cameron's going to come in here. I don't know how they can give a, a two to one underdog a uh, at such a high price tag. So he'll probably be very cheap as well. So grab whoever you think is going to win. I have Mata. Weird fight should be fun, honestly. So we'll check it out. Next up at UFC Vegas 37, we have the co-main event of the evening. We have Ion Kutalaba versus Devin Clark. Kutalaba 15-6-1 overall. 1-3-1 in his last five. This guy is good and is on a freaking skid. He's coming off a draw to Dustin Jacoby. Two losses before that, a win and a loss before that. I mean... He's had a little bit of a rough stretch recently. Devin Clark, 12 and 5 overall, 3 and 2 in his last five. This is an interesting, you know, this is an interesting matchup, and this is a really hard fight to call. A lot of this card is really hard to call. This is in that category. Ian Kutalaba coming off that draw to Dustin Jacoby. We love Dustin Jacoby here. Uh, coming off that, uh, that draw to Dustin Jacoby, he's got really good power. Really good power. And he is happy to fight in a phone booth. He will stand in that pocket. He will throw, and he's got the power that it doesn't matter, right? He will just, he can put you out if he's there and he connects clean. Uh, he's a feast or famine fighter. You've heard me say that before. He is either going to knock out or get knocked out. That's it. Those are the options for him. Um, he chases stoppages, and he may get stopped while doing it. He will just come in looking to finish you, and if he gets hit clean, then he gets hit clean and he's out. Um, he is good on the ground, but his takedowns are a bit sloppy. Uh, is, they're, they're body locks. They're not the prettiest things in the world. But once he gets to the ground, he is good there. He's got uh, quite a few submissions under his belt, uh, and he's got some legitimate skills on the ground. Getting it there is where he looks a little out of sorts. His takedowns are more muscle than they are technique. Uh, Kudalaba gets finished in his losses. Um but honestly, that's to really good strikers or really good BJJ guys. I don't know if you could say Clark is either. Clark has an amazing pace, but he's not really finishing anybody. Devin's a good wrestler. He uses his striking to set up his takedowns. Uh, he doesn't really have power, but his strikes are well-timed, so they do land, and he transitions the shots well. So he touches people. He doesn't really put them out, but he does touch people, uh, and he gets those in there. We've seen him fight explosive power-heavy strikers and win. Right, we saw him fight Alonzo Menafield, and he won that fight. So, you know, Alonzo and and Ion similar heavy power, you know, uh, aggressive strikes there, and we saw him beat Alonzo Menafield. But I think Kutalaba's takedown defense is a little better than Alonzo Menafield's. Uh, Devin's not a finisher. He's got a really good pace. He stays in your face, uh, and that's what makes this fight hard to pick because Devin doesn't finish anybody. But he also will grind, 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 grind. And Kutalaba loves looking for the finish. So it's it's a really, a really hard fight to pick. If I have to pick, I think Clark's pressure and wrestling can nullify Kutalaba. But the play here is probably Kutalaba wins inside the distance, decision, no action. Because, you know, Devin Clark's not a finisher. So if Kutalaba wins this fight, it will be inside a distance. And if he loses, 
it'll be a decision, so you get a refund. You're only going to get that bet at wewantpicks.com slash bets. There are three options there. Grab the bet online one for that. They have the best prop bets you're ever going to get, 100% deposit match if you click our link. And that bet wins inside the distance, but a decision is no action is a great one here because Kutalaba will win inside the distance or lose a decision. And I know he gets finished, but Devin Clark doesn't do any finishing. So I think Kutalaba will, uh, honestly, he may win this fight because he has such insane power. But if he loses, it will be a decision. I love the over on rounds here. I have that bet as well. Wins inside the distance, decision no action is also a solid bet. Hard fight to call, but that's why when you're looking at bets and you're trying to make things happen, just, I don't necessarily, I'm not 100% positive who's going to win, so I look at the outcome, and if if Kutalaba wins, it'll be by stoppage. If Devin Clark wins, it'll be by submission, and there is a bet there that aligns perfectly with those two outcomes. And then also the round line, it's a one and a half round line, the over uh, on the rounds is solid. I think this is going to be a pretty good fight. I think it's a closer fight. If Devin Clark gets a few takedowns, he's definitely going to blow past one and a half rounds. And, uh, you know, Kutalaba obviously could could make me look stupid for that. But uh, Kutalaba, very good. Hit a little bit of a rough patch. Could come out here, remind everybody why he was so highly touted for so long. But either way, I don't even necessarily care about who wins. I think the over on rounds is the bet. I already have. And Kutalaba inside the distance decision, no action is a pretty solid bet as well. Monkey knife fight. Oh boy. Oh boy. Man, probably more and more. The only thing that concerns me a little bit is Kutalaba does have power. So 74, you know, a few of those might be an issue. So probably more and more uh, is the play here. I do think this is a, a bit of a busier fight and uh, I have the overrun round. So more and more, is probably the play here. We want picks.com slash bets. We have promos for 100% match, 125% match, and there's different options depending on what kind of better you are. Go there, grab a promo, get some free money, bet on these fights, and go to we picks.com slash MKF. They do a deposit match as well. Play some of these lines. Next up at UFC Vegas 37, we have the main event of the evening. We have Anthony Smith versus Ryan Span. This is another hard fight to pick. A very hard fight to pick. But we'll break it down. And I'll give you a pick. Anthony Smith, 35 and 16. He is 3 and 2 in his last five. Ryan Span, 19 and 6, 4 and 1 in his last five. Listen, Anthony Smith is one of the toughest people you will ever see. He's found himself on a nice little win streak. And honestly, after Glover literally knocked the teeth out of his mouth, I didn't know if Anthony Smith would be able to bounce back. So finding himself on a nice two-fight win streak here after a couple of bad losses, people talking about he should go down the middle weight. Like, good for Anthony Smith. Good for Anthony Smith. Glover literally knocked the teeth out of his mouth. And while they were, while they were on the ground, Anthony Smith grabbed his own teeth, his teeth off of the mat, handed them to the referee, and continued to take his beating. It was insane. So again, Anthony Smith is one of the toughest fighters you will ever see. Period. End of story. But what's interesting is he's very tough. 
uh, I don't know how to word this. I'm trying to figure out how to articulate this. He's incredibly tough. But he does start to, he doesn't look for a way out. And the teeth thing is a perfect example. But he starts to, if he's on the wrong end of a beating, he doesn't really pull himself out of that beating. He almost just accepts the fact, I'm a nail and I'm going to get beat on. And he takes his beating and he's really tough, but he doesn't start to look for ways to win. He just accepts his beating. So he doesn't look for a way out. He's not a coward. He's not quitting. He's stupid tough, but he also doesn't look to claw back from being on the wrong side of, you know, a couple rounds of, of devastation. But listen, he is very good. He's very skilled everywhere. He has ridiculous toughness, as I mentioned. His striking is nice. He's got power. It is clean. His hands are fantastic when he lets them go. He uses his kicks really well. He has solid jujitsu. We just saw in the triangle choke he pulled off. He's got solid jujitsu as well. He doesn't have anything to offer in the wrestling department. He, he really doesn't have any offensive takedowns. But his hands are really good, really good striking. He uses the kicks, as I mentioned. He's got submissions if he needs them. Anthony Smith is a good, well-rounded fighter with enough toughness for seven people and enough experience for five. Anthony Smith, as much as your gut immediately is like, oh, Anthony Smith's fighting, he's going to lose, he's really, really tough and very dangerous in a lot of fights. Ryan Spann is freaking massive, absolutely massive for this weight class. He's like 6'6", six, 6'5", six, six, something crazy like that. When you see him, you would honestly assume he's a heavyweight. But he's not. He's a light heavyweight. He's ridiculously massive. And he has all the power that you would assume he has when you see somebody that big. Tons and tons of power. He's very dangerous and has a lot of finishing upside. I mean, that incredible power is going to be a problem. Uh, his issue, however, is speed. I mean, he's lumbering these big, heavy shots. They all look labored. None of them are crazy fast. His footwork isn't fast, but he does have the power. And honestly, if I had to pick one, speed is probably the better one to have, but the power that he has is just so incredible. If you can stick and move, if you're Anthony Smith, your game plan is touch, go, touch, go, stick and move, never be in front of him for long enough for one of those punches to get off because Ryan Spann will always be behind. He will always be last on that jab. He will always be last with a straight punch because he's just not that fast, honestly. Um, Anthony Smith is the better fighter on the ground. Uh, I just don't think he has any way to get it there. So the issue here is Anthony Smith has to fight a perfect fight. He has to. Anthony Smith has to not get hit in five rounds. And that's a really tall task. A really tall task. So it's such a hard pick. Anthony Smith is by far the better fighter. He's got a lot of miles on him. He's taken a lot of beatings. I'm going to give him one last ride. One last ride. I'm picking Anthony Smith. I think he is smart enough. His hands are good enough, and he's fast enough to stick with a stick-and-move game plan. Touch and go. Move out of the way. Hit Ryan. Step let Ryan miss, come back, hit Ryan. I think Anthony Smith can do that. I think Anthony Smith can make that work. He just needs to avoid the big power from Ryan Spann. And if he gets hit, 
I just don't know how much toughness he has left, right? Because he is stupid tough. I mentioned the teeth story. He's got a decent chin, but there's only so many of those fights you can be in. There's only so many before it all starts to go away. One last ride. Anthony Smith is my pick. I do have a bet on this. I bet the over on rounds. It is not often you get a main event with a two and a half round line, but we have one here. And I, I don't know why, honestly, because Andy Smith is the favorite, so they must think that he stops Ryan Spann. But I, I don't know if Andy Smith's going to stop Ryan Spann. I think he just touches him up and stays out of the, the power. But I don't think he's going to put Ryan Spann away because if they thought Ryan Spann was going to knock Anthony Smith out, then obviously Ryan wouldn't be the underdog. So either way, it's a nice two-and-a-half-round line. Uh, I like the over on that. That's the only bet I have on this fight. Um, Monkey Knife fight, more and more. I like more and more. Listen, not every punch Ryan throws is a knockout punch. So 40 over five rounds. We're talking less than 10 a round. Uh, I think that's possible. I think that happens. More and more monkey knife fight. So weonpicks.com slash MKF. Grab the promo. The code is WWP. Grab the promo. You'll get an instant deposit match. Sprinkle it on a bunch of these. And listen, football season started. I know a bunch of you watch football. Football season started. They have insane football prop parlays as well. Grab those. I like uh, Anthony Smith in this fight. I hate $9,100. That's stupid. Don't touch that. $9,100 is so much. If anything, I would say grab Ryan Spann at 71 and chase a knockout. Uh, I'm not touching Anthony Smith for DraftKings. Um, I like the more and more monkey knife fight. And I told you my bet is over on rounds. We on picks.com slash bets. Grab a pomo. Place a bet. Should be a fun main event. Sneaky good card, lots of close matchups, a couple of trash ones, but lots of close ones. Sneaky good card. Thanks for watching. Go to the website, click on some links, grab a promo. That's how we pay the bills. Thank you all very, very much. I appreciate the live chat. Haven't been able to interact with it. It's just me running the show today, but I will see you for our DraftKings breakdown. I will see you for the Monkey Knife Fight breakdown. I will see you for the betting breakdown, and I will go live before the fights on Saturday to talk about everything before it gets going. And don't forget, this is an earlier fight card. It's not like 6 in the morning or anything, but this is an earlier one. This isn't a normal fight night. Thanks for everything, guys. I will see you, I don't know, tomorrow for our Monkey Night Fight Breakdown. See you then. Thanks for everything.